excited for you to listen to this podcast with Dr. Carrie West. There's so much good information packed into this episode for you. But before we start, I just want to take a moment to preface that we do talk a lot about pregnancy and fertility. We want to acknowledge that many women struggle with infertility and we want to be sensitive to that and acknowledge those women who have not had a straightforward process or journey with becoming pregnant. We know that pregnancy and fertility is different for everyone and can be a sensitive topic for some women. So if that's you, just know that we see that, we acknowledge that, and support you in your own unique journey. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Project Pelvic Health Podcast. My name is Dr. Erica Gladney. I am a doctor of physical therapy, passionate about all things pelvic health and women's health specifically. Today, I have one of my dear friends, Dr. Carrie Kugler. Oops, Dr. Carrie West, actually, um, with us today. She just got married, so, you know, still getting used to the, the last name change. But Carrie is one of my dearest friends. We went to PT school together, and she is going to talk with us today about all things hormones and fertility and how all of these things are so important, but how they also affect things like exercise and our cycles. Um and things like that. So Carrie, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Me too. So let's just start with you telling us a little bit about yourself, where you work, and how you kind of became so passionate about these topics of fertility and programming workouts, things like that. Sure. Um, like Erica said, my name is Carrie West, my new last name, and I am a physical therapist. I currently live and work in Fort Worth, Texas. I am also doing women's health physical therapy like Erica um, at a place in Fort Worth called Fort Worth Pelvic Health. Um, and we are located inside of Restore and Revive Wellness Center, which incorporates um, functional medicine, nutrition, other cool wellness therapies, and kind of is a big reason to why I am where I am and I have gotten excited about this topic. So to fully kind of understand my passion, I have to go back a little bit into my story. I went to PT school with Erica, um, and during that time, I did start to develop uh, more of an interest in the functional medicine realm. And the reason for that is my mom has breast cancer, and it's been a long journey, and her cancer throughout her whole um, diagnosis has been estrogen driven. So it's a type of cancer that is estrogen positive. Um, so her hormones have very much so affected her disease process. Um, and because of that, I have had my own risk assessed for breast cancer and it turned out to be fairly high, higher than the average woman. Mm -hmm. Um, and because of that, and my new interest in functional medicine, I was getting excited about learning more of the root cause of things. So kind of what causes cancer or what causes hormonal imbalances. And in the process of learning about that, I discovered I do myself have a bit of a hormonal imbalance. And mm -hmm. I want to get that hormonal balance, imbalance balanced, because I already have a higher risk for breast cancer and I don't want that to build. If there are things I can physically do with my exercise, with my diet to help manage it. 
So I would say that's kind of how I got passionate about all of it. Um, with the working out side of it, some of my hormonal imbalances present themselves in my periods. So I do get pretty bad PMS symptoms, you know, moody, emotional, tender breasts, all the things, Mm -hmm. cramps. But the newest thing I had started to develop kind of in PT school when I was under more stress was these really sharp shooting pains that made me super nauseous and sometimes even throw up right before I started my period. Mm -hmm. So that kind of made me think like, oh my gosh, there's something deeper I need to get to. Um, And naturally I started changing my workouts when I knew my period was about to come. So slowing down, taking it easier because I am one to just keep going. Um, And that led me to all the um, research and knowledge about changing the way you work out in your cycle, which I know we'll talk about later on. Yes. Yes. Yeah. For those of you listening, Carrie and I trained for a half marathon together our last year of PT school and unfortunately didn't get to do it because of COVID, but we did all the training together. And I remember for both of us when we were training, it was like the week before we were going to start our periods, we would get these terrible, terrible cramps and it would prevent us from being able to run because they were just so excruciating. And for at least for me, I had no idea why that was happening and it was so frustrating But I think after learning from you, Carrie, and then just doing a little bit of digging on my own, it makes so much sense based on what our bodies and our hormones are doing, depending on where we're at in our cycle. Yeah. Um, So that being said, can you tell us a little bit more about hormones and how our hormones change depending on where we're at in our cycle? Yeah. This is a topic I'm very passionate about, so I'll try not to get too uh, rambly. But... Um, unlike men, our home hormones are not static. So men have very static 24-hour period cycles and hormones, whereas us women, we're very cyclical creatures, just the way we were made, and our, cha- our hormones change significantly throughout the month and throughout our menstrual cycle. So there are four very distinct phases of this cycle. And something cool that I have been learning about I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called the infradian rhythm. So this is a new fancy word for your menstrual cycle, but it's more encompassing of, um, it's beyond just the hormone. So how it affects like every system in your body. So I will Mm -hmm. talk some about that just kind of interplayed with it all. But Mm -hmm. your first phase of your cycle or the infradian rhythm is your menstrual phase. So that starts the very first day you have your period when you start bleeding. Most women bleed for about four to seven days. And your primary um, hormones that most women know about are estrogen and progesterone. Both of these are declining during your period as your uterine lining is shedding. So the, the blood, everything is leaving, the hormones are also decreasing. So that happens in your menstrual phase. Then around day six or seven, after you stop bleeding, your follicular phase starts. And this phase lasts all the way up until ovulation. So during your follicular phase, your body is building up the follicles to get ready to release an egg during ovulation. So after your period, right on that last day of your period, um, that is when 
your estrogen and progesterone are at their lowest. So that your hormones are at the lowest um, and they're starting to rebuild. So kind of as the follicular phase progresses, estrogen starts um, to build back up. And this rise in estrogen also is what gives you more energy and helps improve your mood. So estrogen is our feel-good hormone. It kind of gets a bad rep a lot of the time, but it is our good hormone. We like this hormone as a female. So when that estrogen starts to build up, um, you get a lot more energy. You're happier kind of throughout this phase. Then we reach ovulation. So ovulation is the third phase in the act of ovulation, which is when an egg is released, happens one day, it's a single day, and that varies for everyone. It's usually between day 12 to 16 of your cycle, but there is kind of an ovulation phase around that day, and it's usually a five to seven-ish window. During that phase, the estrogen really surges um, to its highest point, and that's why you feel super, super good and energized <laughs> during this phase. And then there's another hormone that comes into play called your luteinizing hormone, or LH, and that is what causes the egg to be released. So during ovulation, you release an egg. And then the last part of your cycle is called the luteal phase, and this is the longest phase. It's about two weeks, and it's from when you ovulate until you start your period again. When you first enter this phase, estrogen is low because you had just released an egg, but it does kind of slightly rise to thicken the uterine lining because if there was fertilization, the body's preparing for implantation. So the uterine lining is starting to thick, but then progesterone comes in to play here and it's our primary hormone in this phase. So it steadily increases and then reaches its peak in the luteal phase. And this hormone kind of makes you feel nurturing and calm. So it's uh, Mm. it's another feel-good hormone, but in a different way. And the, those feelings kind of come in play when we talk about exercise in a little bit. Um, because this phase is so long, it kind of has multiple parts with what your hormones are doing. So they do kind of increase. And then as you get closer to your period, the hormones start to decline again. And this is where most women experience PMS symptoms. Obviously, it's right before your period, but they kind of come in the form of that estrogen dominance. So estrogen is supposed to stay kind of at bay in this period or in this phase right before your period. It's kind of supposed to stay low and progesterone is supposed to be higher. When people have really bad PMS symptoms, cramps, moodiness, it's usually because the two are flipped. The estrogen is higher than the progesterone. So that is um, kind of why people experience PMS, and we call that estrogen dominance. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, a lot going on. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of change happening. So, with all of that change, depending on where we're at in our cycle, how does exercise play a role in this? So, this is really cool, and I feel like it is something that is just starting to be talked about. A lot mm-hmm. of research that is done on exercise or different dietary trends or stuff is really um, focused on men or postmenopausal women. So the female reproductive years is a pretty wide window, 
but they tend to ignore us in research because they don't want to harm any potential babies or future babies. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that, we do get left out. And people are finally, I think, realizing that um, men and women in their uh, childbearing ages can't exercise the same. Um, and exercise affects their bodies really differently. So I just think it's exciting how this is kind of being addressed. And I've mm-hmm. it's really impacted um, the way I work out. So um, going back to that menstrual phase... When we are having our period, our body is under a lot of stress. So it may not feel like you're stressed out necessarily, but more at a cellular level, there's an increase in cortisol, which is our stress hormone. Um, And your body's just doing a lot. It's shedding the lining. It's working really hard. And so the best thing to do during that phase is you don't want to overstress it. So the exercises we're focusing on are restorative practices or really easy things. So walking, yoga, gentle Pilates, stretching, things that will not ramp up your body too much. Um, And increase the cortisol. And increase the cortisol. Yep. Increasing the stress on your body at this time um, can make your cramps worse, can make your PMS symptoms, whatever your back pain, whatever you feel during your period, um, it can make it worse. And this Mm -hmm. is even a phase where you really, really want to prioritize rest and sleep. And so sometimes you have to super, you just really have to listen to your body. And if it's telling you to not work out and just go on a little walk or sleep in, you should, because it'll thank you in the long run. (laughs) And I feel like that's really hard in our, especially like in our current culture. I don't know. I don't, I feel like for both of us, we're pretty active and that's, you know, we love exercise and we would exercise all the time. So to like take that time was like kind of hard for me to wrap my mind around, but understanding physiologically what's happening, it's like your body was created to rest during that time. Yes, exactly. I'm the same way. I feel guilty if I don't work yes. out every day, which is not healthy. I'm working on right. it. Um, but I have found that it's kind of nice actually when I know my period's about to come up I'm almost excited now Mm -hmm. because I get to have these days of rest without feeling stressed about it because I'm like I know my body needs this and by then I feel worn down from the previous workouts I'm sore and I'm like okay yay I get to go to yoga for a few days or I get to just go on a walk and I don't know it's it's kind of morphing into a good excuse but my body is responding well to it so it's definitely hard to implement at first but I think once you get into the hang of it and once you do the different workouts in the different phases that we'll talk about it makes it a lot easier to give yourself this time so good okay so that was the period that was yes menstrual phase so then you go into that follicular phase again And this is when your estrogen really rises. So I talked about this a little before. You get a big burst in energy. And um, that burst is meant to be met with more high-intensity exercises. So as you're kind of moving away from your period, your energy is coming back, it's a really good time to implement cardio hit activities this is actually when your metabolism is at its slowest or lowest so you kind of want to counteract that with good cardio higher intensity things running spinning 
um, whatever you like to really sweat. Um, mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. the best time to burn um, fat. Your body will respond the best to cardio in this phase. If that's your goal is to burn fat, this is the time to do it um, mm -hmm. and stress that. So then that kind of, when you're talking the exercise realm, that kind of um, feeds into ovulation. Um, your energy starts to even progress even more. And this is when you feel your absolute best, kind of right by ovulation. And it's when you can do your most intense workouts. So if you ever are lucky enough to like find a race that is right when you ovulate, you're gonna crush oh, it. Yeah. Or, um, you know, people like to do hot yoga or just high intensity kind of flows into that. You'll probably hit your personal records at this time of your mm -hmm. cycle. And then once you ovulate and you move into that luteal phase, this is um, actually the best time and the most optimal time to gain lean muscle. So whereas the follicular phase was the best time to shed fat, this is where you build the lean muscle. So you focus more on strength training. Um, you can still do your cardio, but you're not doing anything too intense, especially as you start to progress closer to your period. So as you move closer to the period, you want to back off um, on the really high intensity stuff, focus more on stretching and strengthening is what I like to say. Love it. So good. So you talked a little bit about how during specific points in our cycle, there's an increase in cortisol, primarily during that period phase, the menstrual phase. So cortisol is an inflammatory hormone. How does all of this potentially impact weight loss? Like if someone's trying to lose weight and they're just going hard all the time, they're going hard when they're on their period, when there's an increase in cortisol, how can that affect weight loss? Sure. Um, I think this is something people are really guilty of or people do a lot and there's not a lot of education around it. Um, it was new information to me. So kind of um, like you mentioned, the cortisol during the menstrual phase um, is high, but there's a lot of things that affect cortisol in our body. A lot of us right. honestly are walking around with elevated cortisol levels yes. every day, just based off of our lifestyles, inflammatory foods, um, yeah. stress and whatnot. But you have to think about any stressors you add to whatever you're at is just going to make it worse. So the menstrual phase, you want to not add any more than we can. And then that follicular phase is really good time to add stress like we talked about. Um, but if you do have an underlying hormonal imbalance, which a lot of people do, we actually even want to keep all these exercises to a maximum of 30 minutes a day. So we're really, really? prone. Mm -hmm, we're really okay. prone to overexercise, but anything above 30 minutes starts to stress your body. And if your hormones aren't ready for it, they're going to actually hold on to that fat. They store fat. It kind of backfires. When your body's under stress, it's going to protect the most um, crucial systems and organs, which is providing protection. It goes way mm -hmm. back into like when we were the cavemen. But sure. <laughs> um, yeah, your body will actually, if any point it's overstressed, it will hold on to fat. Your adrenals get really stressed um, and they start releasing more ho hormones and it's the, just this cycle. Um, in the one phase, so that can happen with anyone if you're having hormonal imbalances. If your hormones are pretty balanced, you can push it a little more 
in those appropriate phases. So the follicular to ovulation and the luteal phase um, as you are getting closer to your period. So like I said, those first that first week probably you can push it more so. But then um, what I found was interesting was overdoing it actually in the luteal phase. And by overdoing it, I mean like really high intense stuff, um, wrong types of workouts that can um, make your period symptoms a lot worse. And that is something mm-hmm. I've been playing with because that's when your body's preparing um, mm-hmm. to have the period. And that actually affects it even more so than during the menstrual cycle. So if you can tone it back a little bit before, it makes the whole thing a little bit easier. That's so fascinating. So bottom line, start tracking your cycle, figuring out yes. when these when these different phases take place paying attention to how you feel during these different phases of your cycle. And then this kind of bleeds into what I want to talk about next, which is fertility. So you're a big advocate for using a more natural form of birth control versus hormonal birth control. Can you tell us a little bit about why you're so passionate about that and also how that plays into the cycle and why it's so important to track your cycle? Sure. So this is um, a hot topic, and I will say that I am very passionate about this, and I'm not a huge fan of birth control. I do kind of believe it does more harm than good, but I also know that it doesn't, natural birth control doesn't work for everybody. (laughs) And so I would say more than anything, I am just pro-informed consent for all of the side effects um, for birth control these days. I think if you want to be on it and you know all the different things that could happen, great. I'm all for it. Um, But I think we have been misled as a culture that birth control is the fix for everything. Um, So as you know, like I said, I'm interested in kind of getting to the root cause. So birth control has been used over the last X amount of years as kind of just a band-aid for all hormonal imbalances. So if someone is suffering from bad period cramps, even acne, um, you name it, X, Y, and Z, that is all hormonal, the doctor just says, oh, we'll put you on birth control. And birth control does fix the symptoms. You feel so much better, but it is suppressing all of your hormones and not getting to the root cause. And so... If you're on birth control for 20 years, you know, girls get put on it when they're 15 or like they've just gone through puberty, they're put on it. And then when they're 30, they're trying to have a baby and they're like, I can't have a baby because they didn't know they had all these hormonal imbalances. Um, So I think it just becomes this cycle of the birth control might be making it worse, but you don't know you have it um, Mm -hmm. and all of this stuff. So it's just crazy in my mind once this all clicked that I was like, wow, it all makes sense. It's just suppressing all of your hormones and you're actually not even having, if you're on um, tradition, like the oral, the pill, um, you're not even actually having a real period the week you bleed. It's just a placebo. So it's your body just freaking out and fake having a period, but it's not actually, your hormones aren't cycling anymore. Um, They just become very stagnant. And after knowing all this, I just have a hard time believe that's what's best for you. And so many women on there's great resources on this i always recommend people reading beyond the pill by jolene brighton um she talks a lot about this but there are so many different side effects 
sometimes like depression, anxiety, weight gain, there's a full list, infertility. Um, and it makes sense to me now that I know the way your hormones ebb and flow, how that estrogen gives you a rise in your mood. The progesterone kind of makes you feel warm and cozy. And if you're mm -hmm. not having those, it makes sense how people could kind of get all of those side effects. So yeah. I think that's a reason why I'm really an advocate for it. Um, and so many people are put on birth control, not actually to prevent pregnancy, right. which is just crazy. And I don't know. For me, obviously, with my mom and her history, I didn't want all those fake hormones being pumped through my body just because I was already at a risk. And we know now that a lot of cancers and autoimmune diseases and things that we don't want are driven um, by hormones and yeah. estrogens. So I think that's the biggest reason why I'm so passionate about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've both been on the pill at one point. I know for me, mine was fairly recently. I just recently came off of it this year. And I feel like you had a big part in that for me, just kind of understanding the the downside of being on the pill hormonally about what's going on. I didn't have a period pretty much the entire time that I was on the pill. And I was like, this is great. I don't have to worry about this at all. I know. It's then, so nice. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, after learning more about, you know, it's an it's an our body was designed to do that it was meant to do that it's meant to cycle through all of these hormones and by preventing your body from going through what it was created to do it could be potentially causing more harm than good even though yeah I'm sure everyone would love not to have to deal with this but at the same time it was meant to do this um so I remember looking through Fort Worth Pelvic Health's Instagram recently and I saw a post on there that you posted that kind of blew up and you had said that you can only get pregnant six days out of your cycle which I think is news to probably a lot of people so tell us a little bit about that what does that mean how does that impact fertility getting pregnant things like that yes such a fun fact I share it at yes. part it's my fact I share at parties now it's your party chick Yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah, this is crazy um, and kind of ties into everything we've been talking about. So the birth control, people go on birth control. You're, it was created um, to prevent pregnancy. But I just think people don't know that realistic, if, even if you're not on birth control, you can't get pregnant more than six days of your cycle. Um, and the reason for that has to do with that ovulation phase. So when you ovulate, an egg is released and eggs are only viable for 24 to 72 hours. So the egg cannot live very long, three days at max. And then sperm can only live for maximum seven days, but that would have to be like the best sperm in the world average is closer to like five days and so you have to have that perfect storm of the 24 to 72 hours of the egg and the five days of the sperm to have a pregnancy or to have conception um and once you realize that you're like oh my gosh we've been tricked our whole lives like they yeah. just were telling you in sex ed class you could get pregnant any day Anytime. of your cycle. And that is just not true. And I feel like when people realize that, I don't know, when I felt that I felt punked, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I was living my life in fear. Yeah, exactly. You're living your life in so much fear. Um, 
And it's such a short window. And I don't know. I mean, a lot of people go on birth control for other reasons, not to prevent pregnancy. But to me, if preventing pregnancy is your sole reason, that's seven day window max. There's other things you can do to prevent a pregnancy. And I've seen this firsthand from all my friends. They, the ones that have babies chose when they wanted to have a baby, they got pregnant. And the ones that have don't want babies yet haven't gotten pregnant. Um, I don't know. And it also just, to me, that six day window points to, to how cool actually the miracle of life is like that. It's actually harder to get pregnant than you might think. Like if you only have a six day window, um, it's really cool when you do, I don't know. So it's kind of like both ends. Like it's cool that Mm -hmm. you can prevent pregnancy so easily, but then also it's really beneficial for people who are trying to get pregnant because you know the window that you should be trying. And I don't know, I just think it's cool and it's not something people know. So that's why I like to share it and explain it. And it is terrifying at first to believe it, but when you actually see it Terrifying for me, I was terrified to do the temperature thing. It's terrifying. Yes, we we both track our temperature. And that's one way for one of the natural approaches. There's other ones. But we're also both kind of science nerds. So when I see my temperature change and I see what I'm fertile and what I'm not, I'm like, this is so cool. I like kind of nerd out. So I love looking at my graph now. It's yeah. so fun. Every morning I turn my phone to look at my graph and I'm like, mm, yep. okay. Yep, yep. For those of you listening, Natural Cycles is the app that both Carrie and I use and love it. Highly recommend it. It's it works. I, it totally I works. really believe in it. Yeah. So for the gal who says she has an irregular period or an irregular cycle, how do you feel like this can still be a helpful approach for her in, in like the more natural form of birth control Mm -hmm. Um, well of course we all have normal variation in our cycles but I would actually argue that this gal would be the perfect candidate for this Um, Mm. if you are having irregular cycles and periods more than likely you're having some sort of hormonal imbalance and you should actually kind of thank your body for telling you um, because it's a cool way to find out. Um, And if you do have a hormonal imbalance, you want to dive deeper into that and try to get to the root cause um, to heal it. Because like we said, um, hormonal imbalances can lead to a whole host of things that um, we don't want. That if If someone humored me this, they might have added inflammation or stress in their body that will just diminish their quality of life in the future. So I understand that it's scary. Um, Actually, the cool thing about some of these apps is they can track, they can um, track pretty well for your regular cycle lengths, more so in like the PCOS when people have really long cycles, they're still ovulating. So you can still detect when you change from one phase to the other, you just might have longer uh, phases in the natural it still works the um, natural tracking still works once it gets used to your body but I think I would be more encouraged if I saw someone just to kind of push them towards moving to seeing if they can shorten it and make it a little more regular um, doing the natural approach because if they stay on birth control and continue to mask it with their hormones they might not get to the root cause and then it might lead to infertility down the road yeah 
That's so helpful because I feel like a lot of people, a lot of patients who I've come across are like, well, my cycles are regular. This isn't going to work. So it's really encouraging to hear that like, no, it, it can work and it actually can provide you with some useful information that might actually help overall. Mm-hmm. It's motivating to me too. Like if I would, yeah. if I saw my cycle was irregular, I would be motivated to see, see how I could change it. Yeah. 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 Um, changing gears a little bit, you talked about this a little bit earlier, but how does all of this affect nutrition? Are there certain foods that you should avoid or consume more of depending on where you're at in your cycle? Yes. Um, this could be an entire episode in and of itself. So I'll just scratch the surface. Scratch the surface. So, um, we've talked about inflammation a lot and stress, um, the cortisol. So a lot of things we eat these days really inflame our body and they are probably arguably the number one driver of a lot of our our hormonal imbalances that and all the environmental kind of toxins we're exposed to on a daily basis. But in general, there are a few recommendations for each phase, but in general, we want to like if you are experiencing really bad pms symptoms and you're trying to heal your hormones there's a few good things to go by and then i'll specifically talk about each phase so you want to avoid too much caffeine um especially on an empty stomach so this is something i'm super guilty of i like to wake up and work out and then drink my coffee and then i'll Mm -hmm. eat breakfast like a little bit later in the morning But drinking caffeine on an empty stomach can really um, throw off your hormones Mm -hmm. pretty big. Um, And then skipping breakfast altogether is also not great. I used to do intermittent fasting, which again is heavily researched in males and postmenopausal women as being beneficial for preventing cancer and helping, you know, yourselves. But that is once I started doing that regularly, that's primarily what caused a lot of my period things. So mm. then um, I have been eating breakfast again, trying to do it before I drink my coffee or have them closer. And there's things you can do. I, You can put fat in your coffee. So that's the next thing is people don't eat enough healthy fats. So we really need healthy fat as women to support our reproductive system. Um, so, you know, avocados, olive oil, all the things um, that are good healthy fats. Um, so that's always good to pair with coffee in the morning. You put some coconut oil or you blend it in or whatever, MCT, um, yeah. if you want to do that. So those are two big things, too much caffeine, under eating fat. And then, of course, we know sugar is super inflammatory yes. to the body. So we want to avoid overeating sugar processed foods. Those have a lot of inflammatory oils and foods. And I would say... The funny thing is, of course, you know, everyone knows during their period, all they want is sweets. Um, And that is actually due to a shift in like your blood sugar not being stable. So because Mm -hmm. you lose all of those hormones during your period, your blood sugar is all over the place. So it'll drop. And then that's when you really want the sweets and candies. So kind of shifting into it during your menstrual cycle, if you can really focus on a lot of healthy fats and high quality Mm. protein specifically to stabilize that blood sugar, your energy will stay more stable and you won't feel the craving as much for sweets. Now, dark chocolate does have benefits. So that is good to to eat when you're on your period. Um, And another one good thing that I think women stray away from a lot is eating red meat because they're afraid of 
I don't know, all the things that you've been told that are lies. But red meat actually, especially on your period, is good because it replenishes the iron and the zinc that you're losing when you are bleeding. So it's a good time to eat that if you want to. Um, and then in that follicular phase, so the second phase, that is when high intensity workouts are good. Cause I don't know if you remember, I said that is when your metabolism is actually at its slowest. Mm -hmm. So you might not feel as hungry during this phase and that's okay. You want to, you don't want to under eat cause we, as women under eat too. Um, but smaller, lighter meals are usually better. You still want to make sure you're um, replenishing your proteins and whatnot after you work out because under eating also really stresses the body and we don't want to, we don't want to add any more stress to our bodies. Right. Um, and then basically from the ovulation phase back until your period. So through the luteal phase, that is when we're kind of finding the balance of that estrogen progesterone balance to avoid those estrogen dominant symptoms. So there's a lot of fiber rich foods that will help rid the body of excess estrogen. So like flax seeds, um, chia seeds, those are all really good. Um, and then antioxidants, probiotic rich foods to help the gut because the gut um, affects the liver and the gut and the liver help detox the body of estrogens. So just kind of um, doing all that. And then kind of towards that end of the luteal phase, when you're um, approaching your period, actually your metabolism is at its highest. So you notice before your periods, you're hungrier, or at least I am, you have more cravings, you feel like you're hungrier than normal. That's normal. Um, that's not, that's what your body should be doing because your metabolism is speeding up. So naturally your caloric intake um, needs to be higher during that time. So if you feel hungry around your period, listen to your body, make sure yeah. you're, you're eating enough. Cause again, under eating can then stress the body leading into the period, which can lead to the PMS symptoms. Yeah, man. So good. So good. Well, we're almost out of time, but couple, just last couple of questions. How do you feel like all of this knowledge has helped shape how you practice specifically as a pelvic PT? It's, it's shaped it in a lot of ways. So I don't know about you, but I have found mm -hmm. that so many of the pelvic patients we see are super complex and there's a lot going on. I've kind of... I've kind of fallen in love with the pelvic floor because what? it's not just like a simple fix. Like yeah, there is, not. I don't know, the pelvic floor is a very um, emotional part of the body I found. Like yeah. it holds on to a lot of things. It's affected by our gut and by our stomach and what we eat and how we exercise and our diet. So all the things that I have come to be interested in uh, more holistically and functionally all do help these patients. So, I mean, I try to just, you know, I want to fix their main complaint, but I obviously, I also want to get to the root cause of the thing. So I think the stuff I've learned through researching all this is just kind of like the cherry on top to what I'm doing with them with my actual um, physical therapy treatment. So it's just been fun to talk to them. And sometimes you see like a light bulb go off. Yeah. Like even yeah. this past week, I had um, a mom who is not recovering as fast as she would want to, like physically, she doesn't feel good. And I was like, have you ever thought about your diet? <laughs> and she was yeah. like, no. And I was, she was like, tell me more. And I'm like, well, go see one of the dietitians here. But she was like, oh my gosh, she like, I could just see 
how encouraged she felt just be by being mentioned something that I think is so basic. So yeah. just sharing all of this, um, I have found to be really beneficial. And the cool place, the cool thing about I work is they have dietitians and functional medicine things. So we get to bounce patients back and forth to each other, so um, good. and get to see results from being a like they're we're all attacking the same problem from different angles and it's cool to see that we're not just fixing their main complaint we're like getting to fix their whole well-being which is cool yeah their quality of life Mm -hmm. it's so multimodal and man for those moms who've had a baby recently like your body needs a whole different set of things because you're postpartum and you're breastfeeding or even if you're not breastfeeding there's so much going on that's a whole other podcast for a different time yes yeah it's (laughs) It's wild what our, what our bodies need, and it needs more than just one thing. Yeah, and it is cool. I think once you start to feel the effects of systemically supporting your body and systemically supporting your hormones, it is kind of addicting, and you just want to keep going until, like, you just feel better and better and better and better the more you work on it, and it's cool. It's fun to feel. Yeah, love it, love it. Okay, last question. For the woman who has been on hormonal birth control for a long time, she's debating whether or not to get off of the pill or whatever she is using as birth control, but she's not sure she wants to deal with having a period again. What would you tell her? I get this question a lot. I've convinced yeah. all my friends through this question. Um, convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would start by telling them that our period they have come to find is actually our fifth vital sign. So it is really crucial and ultimately a sign of health and vitality. I also teach, I'm a public floor therapist, but I teach these puberty and period classes to young girls and their moms, which is really fun. And I get to explain to them because they're terrified of starting their period. And I get to explain to them, it's so scary. And I get to explain to them how cool it actually is and how important it is and it it indicates that you're healthy if you have a healthy period then your body is probably healthy um so i would start there i would have her read the book beyond the pill which does dive into the more adverse side effects of birth control obviously i'm not a medical doctor so Mm -hmm. i can't like fully speak into that but um I see a lot of it and I see people who do come off the pill and then have a huge resolution in their symptoms. Um, so I'd probably have them, but then I would also like ask why they were on it. So Mm. if they were on it for the purpose of preventing pregnancy, if they are at a time in their life where they absolutely couldn't have a baby, I'd be like, okay, just know what your body's going through. And if you do have to stay on birth control, there are so many things out there now, supplements and protocols that help support your body while you're on it. So if you need to be on it for a time being, do it. But if that's the main reason they're on it, then I'd start getting into my six-day fertile window spiel and Mm -hmm. tell them like, okay, look, there are so many things you can do. Like you can't get pregnant every day. And so then I kind of convince people down that route. And if they're on the birth control primarily for um, other things, let's say acne, period pains, PMS, whatever other people are put on birth control for everything, um, then I would just encourage them to seek the underlying cause and tell them that, you know, it's just masking your symptoms. There's more going on and ask if they were interested in um, diving into that and getting to the root because 
although they're really common, this is actually something I tell my patients a lot and I tell myself. So I still get period cramps, but I'm working on it. (laughs) And although period cramps are really, really common, they're actually not normal. Um, And they still indicate something is going on. So Mm. if you address all the problems at the root through the things we've talked about, then your period shouldn't be bad. It shouldn't be painful. It shouldn't bother you. It should just be a few days. It shouldn't be very heavy. And if that's the case, then you can enjoy it. And it's not something you have to be stressed about or working towards. So it's one of those things where you just have to um, convince them to be patient and let their body do what it's really meant to do. Yeah. So good. Man, Carrie, thank you so much for joining me today. I learned a ton. I know that our listeners learned a ton too. Thank you for being passionate about this and for just taking the time to do your own research and educate and empower women to just take control over their fertility, over their cycles, over their hormones. Um, Just not talked about enough. And um, I'm just so thankful for the work that you're doing. And I know that your patients are, are too. So thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. For those of you listening, thanks so much for tuning in. Carrie, if people want to find you, how can they get in touch with you? How can they find you? Um, I am on social media, Instagram. My Instagram is keep calm and carry on K-A-R-R-I. It's a different spelling. And then you could also follow Fort Worth Pelvic Health, FW Pelvic Health. That's where we post most of our informational stuff where you can um, find more about what I talk to and rant about. Perfect. Perfect. And we'll put that in the show notes too. But Care, thanks again. Really appreciate it. You're the best. All right. For those of you listening, we'll catch you next time on Project Pelvic Health.